Hey, this is 10 Days Gone. Thank you for coming back for another episode. Today, we will be doing um, an introduction in the beginning here, just so you guys can get to know who we are a little bit more. We'll tell you about our interests and what got us into those things. And also at the back half after we do that, we're going to be doing a fun topic where we'll be talking about different movies that we wish would have been TV series that we think could have been flushed out a little better in that landscape. And um, I'm here with my two friends. I'm Broder. And I'm Jose. And I'm Preston. So let's start off with Jose. Jose, what are you into and what got you into that? Well, Preston, so my biggest thing, uh, I like sports and Starbucks. And I first got into sports. Uh, I want to say the first game I saw on television would have been 2006. Uh, it was just a family gathering. They had the game on on the little tiny box TV. It was super staticky. I couldn't make out any colors. But uh, someone told me that the Pittsburgh Steelers were being the 49ers. And I thought that from that point on, I was just going to be a Steelers fan. Um, and then the 49ers came back and won that game. And I became a 49ers fan ever since. Um, it was just something that, uh, at first they handed me about it, but, uh, it was just something that brought me closer to my family, my cousins and my brother, just always, um, sitting around the TV with our little plate of food and watch the game, uh, no matter which family gathering it was, no matter, uh, whose house it was, that was the one thing on, on TV that we would turn on so i followed the 49ers the san francisco giants and the sacramento kings uh much to my dismay and so as far as anything else i get into it's all about the entertainment aspect to it the narratives storylines plot lines whatever you want to uh call it um so that's been my biggest thing within sports is just following um, players' backgrounds, you know, their stories, their uh, upbringings, their um, connections to people outside of that sport. Uh, you know, it could be the guy, Wilmer Flores, playing for the Giants right now, uh, coming over uh, as an immigrant. He learned English by watching uh, Friends, the sitcom. You know, little tidbits like that. So now every time he takes an at-bat, his theme music uh, for that bat is the Friends uh, opening sequence theme song. And, um, you know, it's just a little tidbits like that that are just, like, really awesome to get into for me. Um, I love wrestling um, and any sort of, like, reality television that's on. Um, anything to... Um, lean into storylines within people's lives. So uh, that's probably the biggest thing for me. Uh, that's um, how I follow a lot of pop culture nowadays. And it's probably what I'm going to bring to the show. Awesome. What about you, Broderick? What are you into? What got you into that? Uh, so I grew up just playing games and like watching, well, watching and playing sports. And, um, like, I got 
I'm into like things like Star Wars, Marvel, DC, all like the kind of comic, I guess, nerd stuff. And um, when I was young, at the time, like my, uh, my brothers kind of played games, like they were playing like the Pokemon games and all that. So uh, my my mom especially kind of, as we got to an age of like being somewhat responsible for like our toys and whatnot, she would kind of like buy us all our own like Game Boys and stuff and get us like a Pokemon game or whatever. And um, so, you know, I played those for a few years. And then at one point, I can't remember when exactly, but it was when I was fairly young. I want to say maybe five, six years old. I got the original Xbox and the PS2. And so that those kind of opened me up into like a whole new world of like console gaming and playing like the Halos and Gears of War. But um, kind of it was also at this same time where me growing up to become a nerd kind of started, or at least the path to that started. And it was because in 2003, I had a sense of what Star Wars was. Um, like one of my earliest like movie memories was my mom sat me down and we watched um, A New Hope together. And um, so I remember like going to, I don't know, probably a game store or something. I don't remember where I got the game. But I just remember like, oh, look, that, you know, that game has a lightsaber on the cover. That looks like Star Wars. I go and look at it and that game happened to be Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. And it was only available on the original Xbox for a long time. And um, it was a RPG developed by Bioware. And so it was kind of like a whole new game for me because I was used to playing like Halo and stuff like that. Like I didn't really know like a tur- what like a turn-based RPG would really play like or feel like. But next thing I knew, it was just I like, blew through the story of that game. I just got so like obsessed with it and just so like like this was a star wars that didn't have like the luke skywalkers and anakins and all that it was completely new characters and there were some familiar worlds but it was long before like the things that i saw so it was like oh what's this like i want to see this side of the universe and um that game the whole stories you play as this in the beginning this kind of like you know, run-of-the-mill, like, Republic soldier who just happens to get transferred onto the ship, like, right before it gets attacked. And so you're kind of wandering around, like, oh, what do I do? And um, one of the other soldiers, his name was Karth, like, becomes, like, your first teammate in the game or whatever, helps you escape. And as you go through the story, you end up finding out that your character is actually a brainwashed Darth Revan who was a Jedi originally turned to the dark side, completely wiped out a Mandalorian planet, and then was brainwashed by the Jedis and um, kind of placed into the Republic army to basically try to like get him away. And like, we never have to deal with him again. He's taken care of. And um, once you kind of realize what your identity is, your former apprentice uh, basically makes his, a uh, big move and all this stuff goes down but at that point I was just like so obsessed with like this whole thing that I kind of just threw myself into like the extended universe of like Star Wars and all that and um 
later on around oh what year did that I think Batman Begins came out 2008 roughly um I remember at that time like I wasn't really into like Batman and comics and all that I knew of it but like I didn't really follow like the stories or the characters and all that but um I want to say it was 2008 um Batman Begins came out and just that whole style of like the grounded more like realistic uh like Batman that like while he does all like the crazy stuff in the comics like in the movies it's a little bit more like believable in his like physical abilities and all that cuz like he can still like has like the fighting style that just takes out everybody but there's also moments where you know realistically he does get overpowered and kind of throws himself too deep and that was kind of the point where I was like, you know, Batman's like a super cool character. Why haven't I been following like this? And, you know, why didn't I know it could be like this? And um, right around that same time, I want to say 2009, uh, Batman Arkham Asylum came out the, the first game in what would become technically the four Arkham games. I don't know what the quad whatever name is for that but uh it's only in most places recognized as a trilogy for the rocksteady games um i started you know playing those games and that was kind of my because uh, when arkham asylum came out i don't think the dark knight rises not dark knight rises the dark knight was out yet and um so Arkham Asylum was kind of my main introduction into the whole like Batman and Joker dynamic and um, kind of like really where I would I started to jump deep into like Batman lore and all that. But uh, other than that, I just kind of play a little bit of everything and I want to say I watch a little bit of everything, but that mostly just ends up being. Star Wars or Marvel movies or whatever, like, comic movies come out. Awesome. And I am Preston, as I said earlier, and different things I'm into are animation is a huge thing. Um, I'm, like, a NASCAR, um, really anything. I'm into all types of music. I can sit down and watch a drama to a comedy to an indie to a documentary, whatever it may be. I'm just kind of an open-minded person when it comes to that kind of stuff. But my kind of happy place is definitely animation and comedies. Um, I've really gotten into like animation at a young age where like the glory days of like Bugs Bunny, Tom and Jerry, Scooby-Doo, all that stuff. Um, Like, I remember having VHSs um, of all those, like, different shorts that would be compiled into movies um, that we would watch over and over and over as a kid. And as uh, I grew up, we would get cable and different things. And I ended up moving on to, like, SpongeBob um, and Danny Phantom, Teen Titans, really just all the big ones that came out kind of um, from 2000 to 2004 of just kind of this 
renaissance of animation because I mean before um, in the 80s animation was really just toys uh, it was to promote toys so like all of your amazing animated properties kind of left for a while where like you know the Jetsons Flintstones Smurfs all that stuff that kind of made a name for themselves weren't really around anymore and you had like he-man voltron transformers all this stuff thundercats all this stuff come out but for the sole purpose of promoting toys like they would put in weird gadgets and different things into an episode just so they could sell that accessory as a toy like it would be developed as a toy before they would sell it as an actual thing um on the show and you know it was a weird time you go into the 90s and the 90s also is a weird time for animation because um you started to get a couple of more better cartoons but in this time you had like nicktoons just coming out you had um disney afternoon and all that stuff coming out and um disney afternoon though was kind of a strange thing as well because you had like tailspin um Chippendale Rescue Rangers, where they basically just got old Disney properties and put them in new situations that were totally strange and weird because of what movies they came out of. Like, it just didn't fit whatsoever. And with Nicktoons at the time, you only had like uh, Hey Arnold, Rugrats, and Doug were the ones around. And so, like, all that time wasn't the best for animation uh, oh those are good series remember today but like those are really <laughs> some of the only highlights from that decade uh 2000 so when we were growing up is definitely when things finally came to like a head where all this awesome stuff was coming out um like avatar i think was pivotal for kind of where animation has gone today where it was like one continuous storyline rather than just a bunch of one-offs um and so like from there on i kind of left animation in junior high didn't really watch it didn't really know what was going on um but i remember watching this documentary about pixar and just being really enamored by um like the art of animation and just how it goes and what it takes to be a voice actor and all that stuff. Um, So I really kind of got out of all that with the exception of maybe watching like one or two animated shows like a year uh, with like adventure time, you know, regular show gravity falls. Um, But I got back into it once I started listening to a, like I said, the documentary that I watched and then two listening to a podcast called talking tunes with Rob Paulson, where he would talk to all these um, voice actors and he's a voice actor himself, Carl Weezer, hilarious. Um, and just all that got me back into the animated scene and really watching a lot of the bigger shows that I may have missed while I was kind of out of it for a while because I, I mean, I used to think like, oh, animated stuff's just for like young people. You're not supposed to watch that anymore. But animation definitely has changed to be more of an all ages thing um, where it seems like a lot of like animated nerds are like kind of my age, anywhere from like 20 to 30. And um, I hear a lot of like adults talking about Pixar movies now and talking about like Tangled or different disney movies fox movies whatever dreamworks whatever it may be 
um, it's kind of funny for me to hear adults talk about that because like us growing up, you didn't hear adults in the corner talking about the little mermaid. Like they probably were done with the little mermaid because their kids watched it so much. But I think the change has come from people realizing like what it takes to animate, what it takes to do all this and that it's a movie just like anything else. And obviously there's bad animated features and bad animated shows that are geared towards like, super young kids but there are is stuff out there if you enjoy the art of animation that is really entertaining and um i could recommend a thousand shows honestly that are great and geared towards adults but aren't so geared towards adults that it's um poor jokes written every three seconds um kind of like the cleveland show or um any other adult comedy that just isn't doing it honestly but yeah that's kind of um my expertise um and we'll kind of move into the topic of today so today we're talking about movies that should be turned into tv shows so each of us have um something we prepared um and (laughs) i know for one of us they're gonna have to make a case for why they picked their thing because it, it kind of falls in a special category here and I'll push it over to you Broderick because you're the special category <sighs> <laughs> so um, so yeah the movie that I picked and why it makes it a special case is because it's a movie based on a video game or at least on the lore of a video game franchise. And that movie is Warcraft. Um, now the reason why I specifically picked this movie. Was. Um, I didn't mention it earlier. But at one point in my childhood. Um, basically my entire family all played World of Warcraft. To the point where we had our own like computer room set up to where we would just go like do like dungeons and raids and you know pvp all that whatever we wanted to do and um the reason why preston introduced this as a special case we had a little mini debate in our text before we recorded this is um we were trying to decide if this falls in the category of um, what were you saying is it's technically a video game to a movie, and I'm trying yeah. to argue it as a movie to a TV series. Mm-hmm. And so my idea, or why I thought that this movie or this pick works for this category, is because I'm not arguing for to turn the like game franchise into a uh, into a TV series is I'm more looking at it as the plot and what the movie was doing and turning that into a, a, a TV series. And so just to introduce it, and the movie came out in 2016, so um, to make my case, I'm going to need to spoil it. So um, really, unless you're a really avid World of Warcraft or Warcraft fan that either just hasn't seen this movie or you've been waiting on it for some reason, 
you can either stay here or go somewhere else. But I'd rather you stay. <laughs> but so anyways, movie came out in 2016. It was written and directed by a guy named Duncan Jones who hasn't really done much. Like I don't really know any of his other movies. Um he's known for directing Moon in 2016, Source Code in 2011, and Mute in 2018. And um Anyways, the Warcraft movie um, takes place, or it's an adaption of the point in Warcraft lore in which the um, the orc race has just formed um, what is known as the Horde in like the uh, game franchise, and they're kind of like the typical high fantasy like enemies. You know, the orcs are the you know uh, angry like conquer stuff to conquer stuff um and um i think the trolls were involved in the movie i don't remember um i haven't really seen the movie since it came out but um anyways they uh the orcs were they come from um a whole different like basically world as like the humans and uh, elves and everybody that um, live in this place called Azeroth and the thing with like the orcs where they're from is the land is like basically dying and um, they are basically desperate trying to uh, find this place to escape and you know be able to continue on and um, this orc warlock named Goldan, he basically figures out, like, hey, I can make a portal to this whole other place. And if there's someone on the other side, you know, we can just conquer them and, you know, make our stake on the land or whatever. And um, uh, on the flip side in Azeroth, there's basically the big human capital is called Stormwind. And um, the movie focuses a lot on Stormwind because at this was the point where the humans basically have like first contact with the orcs and um, when the orcs first started coming through the portal the humans were kind of the ones that were first in line to step up and like we're not going to let this happen and um, why I think this would make a good TV series is because the movie is it suffers from you know, the common video game curse of adaptions where they're trying to fit, you know, plot points and lore that takes time to explain into two hours. Like Warcraft had a runtime of 123 minutes, so two hours, more or less on the dot. And if I'm not mistaken, Warcraft, the original Warcraft uh, RTS game, I think focused on this event and that one, you know, took a, you know, more than two hours to you know fully explain and everything. Plus in all the other games, they've kind of gone back on it, like added things as, you know, they've introduced more races and whatnot that were involved. And, um, if you watch the movie, it's very much a, you have to be a fan of, you know, the games or know the lore beforehand to really understand 
because they introduced like a lot of big name characters that were involved in the battle and that kind of become these like heroic like generals and figures like later on in like World of Warcraft and just the later timeline games and um, you know trying to introduce you know the ideas of or the formulations of uh the alliance and horde and kind of you know the who's who that you know are important to each one uh like starting and there are some characters that were important in the games that were kind of oddly changed to not side characters but a little less important to introduce either new characters or other characters that weren't as important but were given more like importance in the movie and so what would have been better at least for this one for it to work like as a tv series they could have taken the time you know even if it was given like a let's say like a 10 episode like first season to try to like you know you get this to uh you know do it you know they could take two episodes to really like dig in deep on like introduce like uh, like start with the horde or at least the orcs and um, why their world is dying and like kind of like get really into the causes because in the movie it's more or less a real quick like basically like destruction of Krypton moment where it's like hey the world's dying we gotta go somewhere okay here's somewhere and it was like I mean you really have to like it'd be better for them to like dig in deep that way people get more like interested in like okay like why is you know why is this happening like could have this could this have been you know maybe been prevented or you know was it just it was happening there's nothing you can do and you know really like dig in deep who each character is and like and why they're important to you know the battle that's about to come and um so like do two episodes for the horde we really dig into their backstory and like their motivations for like you know abandoning their homeland and then take like another two or three episodes to you know do the same thing for the alliance cuz there's like off the top of my head I think I solid six like characters that become really important like in later games from this battle and they're all like more or less like kind of thrown in a circle for the viewers. I'm like, hey, that's that guy. He does this. That's this dude. He does that. That guy did that that one time. And then that dude, you know, he's just a hero, dude. Okay, go ahead. And it's just like, okay, but why are they like, what did they do to get these titles? And, you know, where, what have they come from, you know, to get to, you know, why they're the ones that are, you know, being chosen to defend literally an entire like, place of people and um like it just definitely suffers and one of the biggest complaints of the movie was that it didn't take time to flesh out the characters and to flesh out the world for people who don't know the games because um i mean end of the day i feel most of these like adaptions are made for you know, people that play that played the games or whatever to be able to go see it on a movie screen. But it also alienates, you know, thousands of people that are maybe like Lord of the Rings fans or something like, hey, this looks like Lord of the Rings. You know, it's a high fantasy thing. I don't know what Warcraft is, but it looks cool. And then they go sit there and they're just like, 
what what the heck did I just watch? And uh, I just think like Warcraft had or has the potential to be a good like series. And you know, I know, or as of now, we all know that Amazon is working on a Lord of the Rings series. So it's like Warcraft can get that too if just there's someone that can take the time and, you know, really flesh this out. And, like, so going back to, you know, the idea of, like, what the season could be is, um... So after, you know, four or five episodes of introducing the Alliance and Horde and kind of, you know, the main players on each side, you know, maybe the, like, mid-season, you know, fillers or whatever that, uh filming likes to do they could you know that's when they start introducing you know how um the orcs like find the other land to invade and kind of how they start formulating their plans and like their strategies of what they're gonna do and um in the movie there's actually a i think it was a female orc she more or less kind of defects to the alliance because she feels more that you know they should try to you know come across and be peaceful with them that way it's like a more like you know our world just died and we're just looking for somewhere to go um you know we don't want to fight if we don't have to meanwhile all the other orcs are like no you know they're not going to give us this land so we just have to take it and um so they you know do an episode or two of you know, the orc army, like, building their strategies and everything, and then an episode or two of the female orc going over and the alliance, you know, learning of what's coming and preparing. And then the final two episodes or so just be, like, the main battle and just close it out, you know, on the high note that it really needed. Meanwhile, you know, going from zero to 105 seconds and just blazing through, you know, hours of things of, like, lore and storylines that are really better off like sitting and being fleshed out rather than, you know, just stepped on the gas and getting from start to finish. Yeah. I mean, based off of what you just said, like everything that happens in that one movie, I haven't seen it, but I have heard the general complaint of that movie in particular that like too much goes on and that you can't really follow what's happening. And that comes from friends that didn't play it. And so, like, I think I'm super intrigued by everything you're saying. Um, But, yeah, without the proper time to flush it out, I could see why, as a movie, this didn't do good. But Um, you've definitely made your argument for why this would be a good series. And, you know, I'm going to look over the fact that it is a video game movie because this is honestly a perfect pick. That's a really good idea. um, I think... My mom has it actually, so when you come back, I can probably see if uh, I can borrow it and have you watch it. <laughs> I'll try to. See. I'll try to fit that in the three weeks I'm in California and try <laughs> try to everything going on. But we'll see. Well, I was. Well, yeah. Um, we'll Ryan, figure something out. Did yeah. You, um, take a look at the Rotten Tomato score for the movie. It's a twenty-eight percent. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now too. Originally, when we were gonna, when we did our previous episode, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna pick Warcraft," 
And then it was yeah. just, oh, dang it. That's actually rated a little bit higher than I thought. And the Metacritic is... For 76. Yeah. And it looks like it was well made as far as, like, that, as what the, I could see, like, you know, all the resources they threw at it. I feel it seems like the perfect pick because it seems like the one uh, resource they didn't have enough of was time. Yeah, no, like, the production value of the movie is great. Like, it's... It's, I'll say, one of the best CGI movies I've seen. And, like, there, I don't recall there being very many, if at all, parts where I'm just like, okay, that actually looked kind of bad. Like, you know, they could have done that better. Like, the whole time, like, um, like, obviously, I, you know, I see the downfalls in the movie, but I liked it. Um, but that's also, I had the benefit of knowing what was going on and, um, like, and even I'm looking at the critical reviews for Rotten Tomatoes right now, just as I was kind of like, at least the overall, like summary of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, like even just this one part says, uh, and I'm quoting it, Warcraft has visual Warcraft has visual thrills to spare, but they and director Duncan Jones' distinctive gifts are wasted on a sluggish and derivative adaptation of a best-selling game with little evidence cinematic value. So more or less, they're saying, like, it was there, it just wasn't there. So it's, yeah, it's just, it, 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 it can be great if it's given the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could honestly see that be like the next Game of Thrones, um, because I think there's enough elements in there that like people like fantasy, and I think that a lot of fantasy, though, just due to how much CG and how much budget you need, typically aren't put in TV shows because they have to be kind of the streaming show or the hbo show or whatever it has to go to a network that has more money to put that into rather than like you know abc nbc or whatever regular cable network there is yeah it'll definitely need like i would think it'd be good as um you know, something like The Witcher, you know, one of the streaming services takes it on or, you know, HBO because it seems like they're the only ones that are willing to dump a bunch of money into a series if it has a potential. Right. But at the same time, I think the movie's kind of tainted the reputation of adapting it. I I mean... I would agree with that, but also disagree because, I mean, like, one of the more most infamous video game movies is the Mario movie. And, I mean, they still have tried to adapt that over the years. And I know there is an adaption coming that will be animated. Um, I think it's just trying to find, like, what the right avenue to release video games onto. And I think with The Witcher and Last of Us um, coming out, uh, both being TV series, um, I think people are realizing that video games might be better based for TV rather than movie just because 
movie does not have the time to put out what a 30 to 40 hour video game did. Yeah, that's more or less the thing that hurts all of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. So just go ahead and pass it on to one of you guys now. Was that? I rest my like case. Alrighty, that's a good case. Um, got a very, very different um, pitch to make you guys um, coming off of WoW. Uh, I'm going to wow. go ahead and pitch you guys on this movie came out early 2000s and it sort of introduced us to the idea of what popular trendy movies are like like what a cult classic could look like and you know, recently HBO is rebooting Gossip Girl. Um, really made me think of this one uh, in depth. And so I'm going to pitch you guys Mean Girls. So, uh, as some of you guys may know, as you two probably know, uh, Mean Girls was adapted as a uh, in theater as a play. It took on Tina Fey and I think Lauren Michaels also um, contributed to it. And it seems to be having success um, on Broadway. And like I referenced earlier, with Gossip Girl getting a reboot, I feel like I want to say 15 or more years since Mean Girls first came out, I feel like it's almost due for its own um, adaptation into a TV series. We don't have to go necessarily back to um, Katie, uh, Lindsay Lohan version, but if we thought about, you know, what does mean? What do Mean Girls look like senior year, or what do the freshman uh, year Mean Girls uh, kind of evolve into? I think you got a plethora of ideas. I think Mean Girls itself had a really star-studded cast, but there were a lot of characters that they kind of give you tidbits on to encompass the full scope of what high school was like, but they you didn't get to really peer into a lot of character development with each of them, right? So... I think that's something they could definitely uh, found upon in a TV series, which would be something I would be more excited to watch. Uh, that's my big pitch, obviously. Uh, I feel like the success, plot, and idea of Mean Girls sort of speaks for itself. So what do you guys have to say? So I just want to make sure I'm understanding this right. You are saying, like, this series would take place after the movie. So, like, the movie happened, and then everything else would be taking place afterwards, correct? Well, I'm saying this is probably going to be, it would likely be standalone. Kind of how Gossip Girl 
is sort of pitched as there's a new Gossip Girl, the new cast of all so, the uh, I don't know who, like, obviously pitching this. Don't think anyone would be returning from the original cast, not even any of the staff or faculty. Um, that no one would have to reprise their own roles. But the concept of what Mean Girls sort of introduced us to, you know, sexualized characters or the cliques, the events that sort of take place, you can really get into the nitty gritty of, I don't know how, you know, you get emotion, people get emotionally distant in high school, um, people sort of grow apart, what have you. So it'll basically like um, same like idea of the movie, just like a new generation kind of thing. Yeah. I think that could get its footing. Um, and as far as finding people, I mean, you think about in theater, people are consistently cycling through roles and no one um, edition of the play is, you know, ever the same or similar. It's, they're usually unique in their own way in the cast. So I feel like as far as the new generation goes, you add fresh faces, you add fresh ideas. Obviously, since to the, the early 2000s, you got a lot of things uh, going on differently within at high school. So. Okay, so you're saying, like, update with the times, too. So, like, add technology of, like, cell phones and such. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. I think so far the one I'm more sold on is Warcraft over Mean Girls. Because, like, I'm hesitant on Mean Girls because that was such a good movie. Um, and I, I've never sat there and kind of went, like, you know what? I need to know more about this. Um, I just felt like it was a nice bow put on to a present and given to us. And like when it comes to the play you're talking about, that is the events of the original movie, just with musical stuff added into it. So right. I, I don't know. I feel the like only, so. The only reason why I'm citing the play is I'm saying there's success to it to the franchise outside of the movie itself and right you are taking you are directly adapting the movie to theater but i'm saying as great as that cast in the original movie are you can still have the mean girls brand and idea and implement it into a tv series with a new cast with a few fresh ideas and just sort of expand upon what 
the sociology of high school is now or what it has become recently yeah so would this be more akin to like the mighty Ducks series that just came out or um trying to think of something else that uh high school musical the series um where they're both technically taking place after the movies but with totally separate casts. Um, I think in Mighty Ducks, um, one character um, comes back, the coach. But I think well, everybody else is brand new. Well, uh, I think he's pitching more a high school musical because, like you said, like none of the originals have to come back. Meanwhile, in the Mighty Ducks, the coach is like one of the main characters. And I think... There was, like, recently they had a few of the original people come back. And so, yeah. so like, maybe 17 I'll... years later, if you want, like, if you want to promote people like uh, Tina Fey as Mrs. Norbury or Tim Meadows, uh, Mr. Duvall, like, the the, the um, faculty, uh, if you want to just give them different positions, if you want to uh, bring back the uh, Lindsay Lohan's Rachel McAdams, to um, the teachers, I mean that those are all sort of take them as you can get them. <laughs> there but, would be like cool cameos that like do a yeah makes of like the theater cast and then like the movie one or whatever. Mm-hmm. But but this is going to be. I think I just checked the. Release date was 2004. So, what my idea is is taking it 15, 16, 17 years later. So, yeah, basically modernize it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah, I said, cause definitely series have done tried that because wasn't there going to be, um, what was the Hillary Duff series um, that was going to happen on Disney Plus? Yeah, Lizzie McGuire, they were going to do something like that. I mean, iCarly. Is doing well. iCarly is separate because that is the characters all coming back, with the exception of Sam and Gibby. Um, and I think Lizzie McGuire was supposed to, yeah, just come back directly with those being the focus. You know what? The one I can think of the most that kind of is akin to what you're saying is High School Musical, the series, which I haven't seen, so I can't really confirm. But one I did watch, um, the show was called Goldbergs, um, and it was set in the 80s and this girl they had her leave halfway through the series um because she was going to get married to one of the goldbergs and spoiler alert um it didn't work (laughs) out so she left and um, what they ended up doing was then they made her a different tv series and set it in the 90s so all the events of the goldbergs happened and everything and it was like kind of a series based on her as a teacher at this school that she used to go to because she tried to go and be a rock star and failed. So she went back to the school and became a music teacher with like no credentials or anything just because, well, it's a 90s and back then credentials weren't as important. Um, <laughs> but so she she went into that and the focus of the show is honestly less about her and more about the school around her and like the students and teachers and a lot of it. And um, I could kind of see what you're saying 
where if they wanted to bring like Tina Fey back with a new class or something and just have like her kind of being around, but the main focus not being on Tina Fey per se. Right. So that that's kind of where I'm thinking you're going. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay. The main, I think, main point of Mean Girls has always been what is the entire scope of high school physiology. And Katie Heron is just the the white slate that they kind of throw in and you're kind of sitting behind her experiencing everything for the first time as if you don't know what the high school sociology is. And she's introducing to um, at first, uh, like her first day of school, whatnot, meeting new people. And then the movie just sort of goes through the whole year of building relationships, academic success, what have you. But more importantly, the social game that high school, um, public high school can be. Okay. Yeah, for me, definitely that one. I, I'm I'm still like not a hundred. Like I'd want to see it, but I couldn't say like that's gonna be the series. Like I would absolutely want and watch. Here, here's here's how I will pitch it to you, Preston, because I feel like this will hit home to you. How much did you enjoy watching Nes Declassified School Survival Guide growing up? I loved that show. I'm telling you, man. Like obviously that was catered towards the like goofier uh demographic it's like for kids it's not nickelodeon but we just umped that up to high school we throw mean girls the tv series on hbo i'm telling you it's a hit okay give me my emmy right now (laughs) that's what i'm telling you all right. Do you rest your case? It rested itself. <laughs> it took a nap while I was talking. There we go. Um, all right. Then I'll go on to mine here. So I am going to be kind of doing a loophole myself as well. Because um, the movie I picked is technically a part of a franchise. And so I am just going to do the franchise as a whole rather than try to pick one movie because if i had i'm gonna do harry potter but if i had to pick one movie i would definitely do the goblet of fire because that was my favorite harry potter movie but in terms of the harry potter series if you've read the books to um, the movies you know that the first two books are pretty much the first two movies like almost nothing is left out they are short enough to where it's kind of the perfect adaption where all the main points are pushed over um, and nothing's really changed for the most part. There's some small changes and small events left out, but it really doesn't alter the course of any characters or stories. But as you move on in the series, specifically with the Goblet of Fire, you start missing out 
on some major plot points, major character development, and um, just things that, like, if you didn't read the book, you would have never known because they happen so fast in the movies or they don't happen at all. And so my pitch would be to get these books, go to the HBO, go to Netflix, whatever it may be, and do chapter by chapter and make those episodes. So if it's a couple of shorter chapters, make that one episode, combine those chapters together and have that happen. But if it's a really long chapter, have that be one episode. Um, And I think, too, a lot of kind of the magic in the early movies is pretty low. There's nothing kind of extreme happening. Um, I mean, you have like the Basilisk and stuff like that. But I think for the most part, the series could be practical. And I think it would benefit it from being practical where you could have like Dobby and um, all the house elves and all of those things rather being CG, have them be puppets, kind of like the Dark Crystal was. That would be cheaper for doing something that you're going to go hopefully for seven seasons long covering every single movie. Um and just going like that, because then you got Dobby for all the, well, most of the movies, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> um, but you would have these things around, so you wouldn't always have to be animating new things, doing new things, whatever. Um, and I think it would really be awesome to see that. With a couple of things, yes, you would have to go CG, like um, trolls or different things like that, or the spells themselves. A lot of them would have to be CG, werewolves and such but i think practical effects would really um bring the series to the forefront kind of like how the old star wars still looks really good and how jurassic park the first one still looks really good because it was a mix of cg and um, practical effects and i think harry potter could benefit from that would make it cheap enough to make it a series and could really flesh things out so uh, one of my favorite characters in the book no, no, gonna work. Um, happens to be a terrible character in the movies. So Ginny, pretty much in the books, is a B.A. I mean, this girl is, like, out playing Quidditch. She's got a backbone of still. She's doing all this incredible stuff. And in the movies, she's just there. She's like, hi, Harry. And that's it. Like, and then they get married at the end. And I know a lot of people that didn't read the books have a problem with him going with Ginny because they don't get to see the growth that basically the books show. Um, and same thing, like almost all the love interests in the movies all get kind of a back seat um, because like the movies, each movie covers an entire year. And I think like, I've actually had this conversation with a friend before is Harry Potter, a Christmas movie. Cause every movie covers Christmas. <laughs> um, and it, it's like covers so much that it's like almost overwhelming. And I think that, like I'm saying, a lot of things get thrown away and you don't even notice what's going on um, because of it. So like major events, Ginny being one Neville Longbottom being a huge other one um, because Neville in the books, you don't get this in the movies, but he could have been Harry. 
um, like there's two boys that could have fulfilled the prophecy that Harry ends up fulfilling and the prophecy is kind of downplayed in the movies. Um, but Neville's the other boy that could have been the boy who lived. Um, and that in the books is definitely explored a lot more. Neville gets a bigger role. Um, and same with Luna Lovegood. She gets a way larger role in the books. And I think because of all of that, you would see the series kill because the fan base is still ravenous. I mean, Fantastic Beasts is still coming out. You have a triple A video game coming out based on Harry Potter. You have a phone game, you multiple phone games, um, Lego Harry Potter games. Like it hasn't stopped. Um, a play has come out based off of the fourth movie. Uh, kind of, um, the cursed child takes place in the future, but also takes place during the fourth movie. Um, so my point being is you're not going to have to get fans reintroduced. There's no bad taste in people's mouth based off of Harry Potter, maybe based off of fantastic beast, but not based off of Harry Potter itself. So I think that as a series, this would do gangbusters. I think like this is your next kind of huge event series, like honey, your Loki, your Mandalorian, whatever it may be that everybody ends up watching. And that, do you guys agree with me that this would be an incredible series? Or do you think that it should stay as movies and leave it be? I think it's a solid third place out of the three <laughs> TV series that were brought up today. I think, well, would it, would it, like, just readapt the Harry Potter series, like, focus on those characters, but just follow the books more closely? That's what I'm pitching, is being more truthful and faithful to the books. Because, I mean, the movies <laughs> took huge artistic liberties, especially when you're looking at, like, basically Goblet of Fire and On are totally different than what right. the books are. And kind of do like a retelling of those and like you know if we follow the spirit of the first two movies this is what could have happened or what should have happened yeah because um, i mean the first two movies um chris columbus actually i might have just done the first one um but christopher columbus um who has done some great movies um he did the santa um chronicles or whatever the kurt russell santa movies were recently um and he did uh, Rent, uh, the movie. Um, so he is someone that's kind of a famous director. And he started those movies off on definitely a way different whimsical feel than they ended up becoming. But, I mean, each movie, I mean, each book started off as that. Like, the books start off very kid-friendly. And they kind of grow up with their readers. Mm -hmm. They got larger. They got um, grittier. They got darker. And I mean, the movies do the same thing, but the thing with the movies is like Dumbledore changes drastically because the actor who played Dumbledore is oh. dying. And so the portrayal of the first Dumbledore is actually fairly on point for how the character is in the book. Like there's a famous scene in the Goblet of Fire where Dumbledore literally comes running at Harry and going, like just like yelling at him and like pushes him and everything 
because like he's freaking out that Harry's gonna die and like that like the rules are being broken and everything but in the book it quite literally reads and Dumbledore quietly asked Harry did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire and so the portrayal is totally (laughs) different and I'm not saying I don't like it I actually really like the performance he gives I actually prefer the second Dumbledore but that's just kind of the one of those things where like Dumbledore in the books and Dumbledore in the series, uh, the movie series, two totally different things. I mean, in the books, you realize later on kind of like Dumbledore is that personality of like conniving, um, not so good of a person uh, that you always believed he was. Um, But in the movies, I feel like you can kind of always sense that a little more um, just because of the portrayal he was given. It's not so hidden. He's not as like kindly old man um, that he is in the books. So it's not as much as a surprise when you find things out in the movies. And I think a lot of um, the backstabbingness of what he did and knowing different things that he did, never telling Harry isn't quite revealed in the movies either. So his character kind of goes off on a high point. Honestly, he doesn't really need that redemption arc because you always believed he was a good man. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the books, you end up with kind of a bittersweet taste in your mouth of like Dumbledore where it's like, oh, yeah, he was great towards Harry, but, like, he should have been more honest about these things. He should have done this. He should have done that. And in the books, Dumbledore is actually gone a lot more. And in the movies, he's more prevalent. Um, so I think that basically, like, relationships are changed from the book to the movie because of um, it being a movie and needing more prominent characters and not having such a diverse cast that the books do, where the books can constantly bring in different people and bring them out, give them plenty of time to be fleshed out, and the movie can't do that. And a lot of the subtleness of the series is taken away in the big adaption of it. And I think during a book, uh, like if you're going kind of chapter by chapter being incredibly faithful to the source material. Um, I think you'll regain that subtleness <laughs> that the series kind of lacks. Yeah, I can see that one as a good series. Another thing that would be like cool for it to do is kind of like uh, the Marvel what if thing. Because I always thought that Neville thing was kind of like a fan, like, oh, he could have, you know, he fits the description too. I didn't, I didn't know that was like an actual like book thing. So it'd be cool maybe if like the TV series just like adapted kind of that theory and more like literally did, you know, the same story, but, you know, instead Neville takes the role or whatever. I don't know if I like that. Uh, (laughs) Um, I, I think that, like, I like it. Like, if it was, like, a TV movie or something, or, like, a like you're saying, kind of a Marvel what if, I would Well, be yeah, down. just kind of, like, a little, like, like kind of short, like, li- maybe limited to, like, a few episode thing. Because, like, in the movies, like, he, you know, starts off as, like, the kind of, like, 
bumbling, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm here kind of character. And then towards, like, the end, he's kind of, like, the low-key, like, underdog hero, like, stepping in, like, when everybody's, like, you know, getting it handed to him. And he's like, oh, hey, guys, remember me? And kind of, he's, like, coming in, like, when everybody needs him, so. I don't yeah. know. I mean, the, that'd, be the thing... that'd be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, the thing, though, is, like, Neville in the book, like, it makes more sense why he becomes a BA later on. Because, like, his parents were basically police officers, like the wizard kind of um, version of them. And um, they ended up being taken Voldemort. But here's the thing, mm-hmm. well, by Voldemort's army. But his parents don't die. Their fate is much worse. Aren't they, like, basically, like, brain dead and, like, can't do anything? Yeah, so basically they're vegetables. And, like, nobody knows that. Like, Neville tells nobody, and that gets revealed in the first book. I mean, fourth book, I think, if I'm not mistaken. When they are in um, a hospital um, visiting Gilderoy Lockhart, um, the professor that essentially, like, stole everybody's credit and wrote the books and was, like, the famous author, you know? Yeah. Um, So he, like, he actually comes back in the series because, like, he put a spell on himself by accident and erased his own memory. So he goes to the same mental hospital. And I mean, they run into him, they run into Neville. Um, and you're, so you see a lot of kind of people's fates more explored rather than like, you know, Gilderoy after his movies just gone. And um, same with like Remus Lupin where he, he does come back and Sirius does come back in the movies, but like in the books, they're around way more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that's the thing is like characters that did have a shine of, in a movie aren't truly ever re-examined um, in the mo- like a second movie except out of the main three. And so like I, I'm thinking like especially Neville too, like you would see the tragicness of his story and see why like, yes, he fits this um like the boy who lived kind of thing um that harry did as well and i I don't know like i would be down for like a hour-long what if with him but like i i don't know if i would be down for like a full role reversal series Mm -hmm. yeah just some kind i don't know but that's also because I love the books and I would just love to see them adapted faithfully. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that that's really the only reason I would be kind of iffy on that. And I think a lot of fans would be iffy on that as well. How do you, how would you want to see this TV series done the next few years with the Fantastic Beasts sequels I'm assuming they're going to um, follow the history point, which I'm assuming will take another movie or two. I think reports are like they're going all the way to five. Um, yeah, I mean, essentially, I think like it would be good to be standalone. So like just pretend the movies didn't happen and just go for it, you know? And like each book, would be um, like a season 
And if like maybe in the later seasons uh, or later books, they become two seasons if they need to be, um, because the later books do become a lot larger than the beginning books. Um, but I think that that would benefit greatly to just pretend like the Harry Potter movies didn't exist, pretend like the Fantastic Beast movies didn't exist and just kind of put us back in the mindset that we had when the books first came out. Like there wasn't all this extra lore of harry potter like just give it to us straight give it to us like the book and just do it and i think a lot of fans would appreciate that because i mean you could totally tie in like an old um i don't know uh what's eddie remains character's name um in fantastic beasts i think it's newt newt yeah newt scamander so you could totally have Newt go in if you wanted to and like be a professor or something. He's not in um, the books or movies. Um, but like, if you wanted to tie the movies into a TV series and kind of have this be the spiritual successor, you could, but I think, yeah, like I'm saying it would benefit not doing that. Yeah, I mean, I can see the potential in it. Honestly, out of if I had to pick like one that's not my own though, of like what I wanted to see adapted, I would go with Warcraft. Honestly, <coughs> what about you guys? If, out of your own, uh, like if you didn't have to pick your own, which other series would you want to see adapted that was presented? I mean, I can see value in the both of them being done so yeah um and i mean if i was really like forced to pick i would probably because i had more interest in that like franchise or whatever yeah i'd probably pick harry potter yeah i mean like I think, though, with all of this, like, all of these things, well, with me and Jose's picks, our things were very successful, um, and I think, as movies, and I think that there could be pushback to a TV series when something is done really well, because people now know you have the opportunity to mess it up, because I could see, like, I'm saying, like, stay super faithful to the source material, you know? And Jose kind of said the same thing, like the events of the movie happened and everything based after is, you know, um, just in the future going on with those happening. But I could see bad writing happening and kind of ruining these series. But with Warcraft, with it being not as well received, I could see that only going forward. Like that would probably be the one that has the least amount of um, I don't know how to put this. Like Rap to undo. Yeah. So I mean, like they have a fan base and everything, but I think it would have more creative liberty to move forward than me and Jose's would. Oh yeah. Because I mean, I look at iCarly, and iCarly was a great series and everything, and I've only heard bad things about the new series, like. I haven't met a single person that has watched it and said they enjoyed it. And I think that's a shame. Um, 
because like you have something that like if it would have been left alone would have stayed great and everybody would have very fond memories of it and i think that's the danger of adapting something like harry potter again because it was done great and the reason there's a massive franchise is because the movies did so good like the books yeah like did good and everything but like the movies really, I feel like, pushed people to the books. So, like, the movies were the reason Harry Potter got popular in the first place. Um, or to mega popularity. So, I could see it being a bad series to adapt for that sheer fact that it could be adapted wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's just the risk you run. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that's kind of it for now. Um, you know, if you have stuff that you you think one of us has a better idea, you think um, all of us are incredibly stupid on our picks and you have a better one, put it in the comments below this video um, if you're viewing it on social media or wherever you see it and let us know what you think of it. Um, we would love to hear your feedback where you want us to move forward. We have lots of topics we're planning on coming back with. And don't hurt my feelings. Don't, yeah, don't hurt our feelings. Uh, we, we do have feelings. I, I know that's hard to believe that podcasters have feelings. But we do. Um, yeah, and just uh, tell us like what you want to see. And we would try to go forward with that suggestion. Or if we don't like the suggestion, we're just going to pretend we didn't see it and leave it there <laughs> and uh from us at 10 days gone thank you for listening adios okay bye thank you for listening to 10 days gone this podcast was brought to you by preston jose and broderick and the music is brought to you by soundblock studios with their song level up we hope you enjoyed and we hope to see you next week thank you